in a room of about 160, I said, it's time to celebrate the resurrection. It's time to celebrate that he has risen from the dead. Are you excited this morning? If you're excited, tell somebody next to you, I think I'm excited. Come on, tell them like you mean it. I am excited. I've come bearing great news, but before I get into my message, I want to talk to some of y'all about something that just kind of irks me. <clears throat> you could take some of my bass out of my microphone for me. What I don't understand, I went to Burlington twice this weekend because uh, I love to shop. So I was buying t-shirts and all these shirts and thinking I was cool. It wasn't nothing for Sunday because I go to church every Sunday, but whatever. So I have a problem. I saw these people there and I said, what you buying these clothes for? Oh, we're going to church on Sunday. And I was like, well, you haven't gone to church all year. So why are you going to buy something new? Because I don't even know what you got anyway. Just tell me what you got. I'm just saying, if you, don't, if you only come to church once a year, don't buy a new outfit. I'm going to leave it at that. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. It don't make no sense. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm going to just leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. I am so grateful today because I have found the truth in the Bible so profound and so deep and a love in Christ that's so deep that I believe that you came here today maybe just expecting to have a good Easter service, but I assure you that you have an appointment with God today. Uh, somebody say amen. Somebody's sitting like, you, you got to say it like you mean it when you say it, amen. You've got to believe that, that this resurrection was personalized just, somebody say, for me. And when you realize that he did it just for you, and every time he would do it again just for you, that it becomes that much more awesome in your life. Amen? Our scripture for today is John chapter 20, verse 7, and I'll be reading it from the King James Version. Amen? John 20, give me verse 6 and 7 on the screen. Amen? And I'm believing that when we read this scripture, you're going to be able to find a truth so profound that it can change your life. Amen? Then come in Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and see if the linen cloths lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by, somebody say, itself. Now, what they're seeing here is they've gone into the tomb of Jesus. And guess who's not in the tomb? Jesus is not in the tomb at approximately 6 a.m. in the morning at the start of the Jewish day, which is 6 a.m. The Bible says that a stone was rolled away. And he called forth unto his son. And he was risen in an instant. Somebody say an instant. You see, I want to go back. In the Bible days when someone died, it was the duty of the family member to close the eyes and kiss the cheek of the dead. It was Jewish custom. When Christ died, this duty came to two men named Joseph and Nicodemus. They went to Pontius Pilate and they asked him for the body. Somebody say the body. When they had taken him down from the cross, it must have not been an easy chore because understand, they had to get a ladder. And they had to pull his arms and his hands and his legs off the nails. They couldn't pull the nails out because they were rugged nails back in those days. And the way those nails were made, they could not come back out once they were put in. And so they had to rip and tear his flesh and his feet and his hands as they pulled and jostled his body. To get him off the cross that he was on to your neighbor for you. They took the body of Jesus to this tomb. They wrapped him into a sheet. 
And they would remove all the nails and the wood from his body. And they would clean his body. And they washed it and wrapped it in white linen, folding his arms over his chest. They closed his eyes. They kissed his cheek. And they put what you call a burial napkin over his face so no one could see his face. Somebody say his face. Three days passed. All over Jerusalem. All over the nation of Israel. There must have been mourning for the people who knew what had happened. As the enemy in hell thought he won a victory, there might have been the devil thinking he had beaten God finally. He had gotten the prophet, gotten the resurrected Savior who would not be resurrected. He thought, somebody say he thought. Uh, The the apostles must have been broken and and sad and muffled cries and sniffles must have been all over their households. uh, Not understanding what was taking place. You ever had that feeling like something horrible was happening in your life? Or you heard some bad news and you got that knot in the pit of your stomach? Three days passed. Like an eternity, it felt like three years. And I believe with all my heart that maybe the, the birds refused to sing and maybe the sun didn't shine as bright in those three days. As all hell rejoiced, the Jewish leaders after three days were rejoicing. Their plan, they thought, had worked to destroy Jesus. The Romans probably thought they were done with him for forever. Until one miraculous morning, God said to his angels, go get him. Y'all ain't catch that. He said, go get him. Because he's got some more work to do in some people's lives. Tell somebody he's going somewhere. In the beginning of this chapter, Mary goes into the tomb and she sees the stone rolled away. And it frightens her and as she runs. She goes to Peter and to John, and they run together to the tomb, and and they run as fast as they can. And and the Bible says John even outran Peter. And when they arrived, they expected to see his body. But all they saw, the Bible says, was that his clothes were on the floor, and the napkin that covered his face was, was nicely folded on top of the place where he used to lie. Somebody say lie. To them, they knew what that meant. The Gospel of John tells you it was a napkin that covered his face. Understand that his grave clothes were on the floor. Somebody say the floor. The Bible takes an entire verse just to tell you the condition that his clothes were left in. There must be something to it. Understand the significance of this napkin. Can I tell you? You see, back in the days of that time in biblical history, when a king was eating at his table, and he was wanted to eat some more, but wanted to leave the table, he would take, rather when he was done with his meal, let's say he's done with his meal, he would take his napkin and throw it on the floor. So his servants would know that he was done with his meal. But let me tell you something, that when Jesus put his napkin and folded it on top, he let somebody know, I'm coming back, I'm not done. I've got some things to do. I've got more work in your life to work on. I may be resurrected, but I still got to get salvation. Tell the person next to you, he's still coming for you. Understand that the the servants understood when they saw that napkin, don't touch the king's stuff. Because the king has got some more eating to do. Ask the person next to you, is it you? God is coming for people in this day. Understand that God left that napkin so folded so perfectly so that you can come. So you can understand that he is still coming for your life. That he is still coming for you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Understand that when Jesus went over there and when he left and he resurrected, 
that Peter, who had denied him three times, somebody say three times. Those three days that Jesus was dead must have been hell for Peter as he tortured himself. As he said, I denied him and, and now I don't understand it. He was all types of broken up and upset. And the Bible says that Mary, that Jesus told Mary Magdalene, he told him to tell the disciples to go meet me in Galilee. And then he said, and tell Peter, I want to see him there. Pastor, what you getting at? I'm telling you people who come to church once a year and you think you're backslidden, think you don't have God in your life, or maybe you don't come enough that Jesus said he still called Peter by name after he rejected him, after he said, I don't want you in my life. I don't know that man. He still called him and said, oh, and by the way, tell Peter to come talk to me. Tell Peter that I still need him. Tell the person next to you, God needs you. You see, I thank God that he's not finished in the work that he's doing in your life. I thank God that the tomb is empty, but the, the napkin was folded to let me know there's still more work to be done in this world. I went to a prison yesterday, and I, I spoke for about 20 minutes with about 35 inmates. And then after that, Melvin spoke for about 15 minutes, and Melvin did a phenomenal job. At the end of that, I got back up and did an altar call at a prison, and 26 young men gave their lives to God. Inside of jail, on lockdown, because they understood. They understood that Jesus was not done with them. If 26 men on lockdown can understand it, you need to grab a hold of the truth that Christ is not done with your life. I don't care how much you think you've done or if you're unworthy. He says, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He came to do what? Set the captives free, not to bring condemnation to this world. I submit to you today, number one, God is not finished saving your soul. The folded napkin is telling you that he's not done. John 3, 17 says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. He's calling on your heart's door this morning that you can truly have an encounter with God, that this life you've been living is not worth living without him. The things you've been doing are troublesome to your spirit. Why? Because you've been doing them without God. And when you understand that you need God in your life, nothing else matters. Somebody say amen. amen. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other than under heaven given among them, whereby we must be saved but by Jesus. Y'all hearing me? For that reason, there's two kinds of people in this room today. The distinction is not racial creed, black or white, Hispanic. There's two types of people in this room today, people who are saved and people who need to be saved. It's not about whether how much money you got or how educated you are, Republican or Democrat or liberal. It's about if you're saved or if you're not saved. Ask the person next to you, do you got them? You can't leave earth without Jesus, I'm telling you that. Many people have mistaken the idea that only good people are saved. But um, let me tell you something, that God saves the worst of people. He don't care if you're an ex-con. He don't care if you used to be a drug addict, a prostitute, a crackhead. God don't care what your issue is. May I say as clearly as I possibly can that no one exists who is so bad that they cannot be saved by God. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned, somebody shot all, and fallen short of the glory of God. Means you missed it. You're not there. You're almost there, but you missed it by a point or a step. The fact of the matter is, even right now, there's people in this room who grew up in church but now grew away from God. 
And you come to pay your homage. And some of you come almost every other Sunday or go to your churches every Sunday, but you're not saved. Uh-huh. Got real quiet on that one. I'm going to leave it alone. Uh-huh. Tell the person next to you that napkin is still folded for your backslider. Uh-huh. A few days before Christ died, he took his disciples aside and told them what was about to happen. He said, I'm going to be betrayed, arrested, beaten, and crucified. He looked at his disciples and said, all of you are going to desert me when the heat is on. Peter said, no, Lord, not me. Peter was the first one. Oh, this should not be. This would not happen. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, none of this is going to happen, Lord. It's not going to happen. Who's the first one to betray Jesus? Peter. You know, we sit there and say, I love God. I love God. The first opportunity comes to sin and bam. You are falling out of love with Christ. Can somebody just be honest today and say, I need Jesus in my life. That's why I came today. That I've been waiting for a moment just like this. That I've been waiting for, to come to a place where I can really find Christ in my life and find it more abundantly. Because the way I've been living my life has not, has not been working. I need you to be honest with yourself today that you are in desperate need of help that you don't even want to admit you need. Some of you go to your churches for all the wrong reasons. Nothing to do with God and everything to do with the social status of your church. Or what they offer you in finances or something of aid. Let me tell you something that God has called you to be a man and a woman of God. He's called you to live your life and to live it, somebody say, abundantly. You have to understand that when you come to a knowledge of Christ, that you need to talk to the devil with authority. You're hearing me. Jesus knew that you would be in this room today. And he wants you to be able to get bold with the enemy and be able to tell him to kick rocks. That's the 2010 version. Back then would be, get thee behind me, Satan. Today it's like, kick rocks. You see, you got to, I learned this yesterday, and it really just spoke to my heart. You've got to learn the problem with the church is, well, where's Emma? Emma, come here. Suppose Emma comes to my house. Amen. Somebody say, pastor's house. And me and Emma get into a little bit of an argument. Come up here, Emma. And I say, Emma, give me your Bible. You got a cell phone? Give me a cell phone. Give me a wallet. <laughs> Give me a wedding ring. Now get out my house. What you mean I got your stuff? What, you, what do you mean? But I'm kicking you out. You, you need your stuff. So you're telling me when I kick the devil out my house, I got to give him all the stuff of his that I got? Oh, so I got to get rid of that music. I got to get rid of that pornography, all that alcohol, all those drugs in my house. I got You mean, you mean you want your stuff back, devil? But, 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 but you, you, you want this stuff back? See, the devil's up in your finances. The devil's messing with your money. And you're allowing him to because you let him in your life. You're hearing me. What kind of conversation are you having on your cell phones? Well, you got your kids out there doing the sexting today. They're sending naked pictures around of each other. Uh-huh, why? Why? Because the devil's all up in their phones. You get what I'm saying? And don't get me started on marriages. Don't get me started on how many of you have problems in your marriage because y'all can't keep it real. Y'all don't know how to communicate. You're letting the devil be up in your life. You're letting the devil ruin you or, or make you get your eye on some chick or some guy. 
And we can't be faithful today. Why? Because we have no idea of what loving God is all about. So devil, I want you out my house. Here's your stuff. Here's your corrupt way of loving God. And get, literally get the hell out of my house. You've got to get... See, you, y'all not understanding me. You need to get that hell out of your house. You got to go home and be like, get the hell out of my house. Really, literally, get the hell out of my house. Because I'm not going to hell for all the sinful things that I own. I'm not going to go to hell because I can't learn how to let go of what the devil has in my life. I'm not going to go to hell because I can't understand that Jesus has left that napkin for me. Y'all hearing me? Don't get distracted. Understand that he's coming for you. He came here for a reason. So that you can have life. And have it more. You want to be like, devil, um, leave my house, but I'm going to keep those porno DVDs under my bed. Because as long as nobody knows about them, I'll be fine. And the devil's just sitting there saying, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to stay right there. This is, you got all my stuff. You see, you know, see, can I talk to you ladies real quick? If y'all can be, I'm going to talk to the men in a minute too. Um, ladies, if you can be real and kick the devil out the way you be kicking your boo-boos out. You want to make a scene and throw all his clothes in the street? Want to rip them all up and cut them all up? You want to sit there and pour mustard and mayonnaise and ketchup, barbecue sauce all over East Main Street on his clothes? And then, but then, and you'll be like, you know what? You know what, Jose Lito, get out of my house and don't try to come back. You made me sick. Mira, and I'm going to tell your mother. But then we want to be like, we want to be like, devil, could you please get out of my house? Y'all following me? And they'd be like, Jose Lito, get out of my house. You know, all types of, and take the gifts you brought me and take this Valentine. I don't want this either. You take it all. Just take it. I don't want any memory of you in my house. I don't want nothing of you in my life anymore. And you know I go to Morivivi at 12 o'clock, so don't go over there anymore. Am I lying? Is that not how we are? Is it real? You know what I'm saying? You fellas, y'all play games with your cell phones. Uh-huh. You want to be with your boys like, yeah, she blowing me up. Keep a hit and ignore her. Why can't you ignore the devil, you dummies? You ignore that. You ignore when your girl calls you, but when your chia calls you, you pick it up. Uh-huh. Yeah. When your girl on the side calls. When your little, yeah, your little, yeah, the girl on the side calls, you pick that up. You pick that up. All the girls are like, yeah, Pastor, go about it. <laughs> All the guys are like, oh, no, he did not. It's twisted the way we treat the devil versus the way you treat your people like there is the devil. If you got it serious with your hubbies and wifeys and your husbands and real wives and your fake boyfriends like you think you love somebody and you really don't, and them, if you treated them the way you treated the devil, you will be stuck in a mess. But you need to treat the devil the way you treat the people in your life. You're quick to cuss, the, cuss people out, but you won't cuss that liquor bottle out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jack Daniel, leave me alone right now. I rebuke you. I'm so sick and tired of you. You made me throw up last night. But if a guy gives you a headache, you cuss him out. I'm just saying. The arguing gave me a headache, but the hangover's fine. I don't get that. I don't understand that. There's certain things in life I don't understand. That's one of them. How we can be so authoritative with the people around us 
when it comes to the powers and the principalities of the world. We forget that we have all power. We forget that he died so that he can have all authority. We forget that he died so that you can live. So my question to you is why do you continue to choose to die? I don't understand that. It's beyond comprehension. As a child, I learned um, not to touch the stove because it would burn you. So I decided in my mind not to touch the stove. Uh, Every time I got near electricity outlet, my parents would run and grab you, right? Uh, I, I understood at that point that I did not need to touch that, especially not with a fork. Uh, I learned when I was a baby that uh, when I was a toddler not to take a bath if there was a blow dryer around the tub. Because there's things you learn in life that teach you not to do things. But the equivalent of what we're doing is basically we turn the oven on high and then we stick our arm inside of it and touch everything. And we understand it's going to screw us up. But we do it anyways for the moment. Sin is for a moment pleasure, but the Bible says, yes, sin is fun. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if, if anybody lied to you and told you sin is not fun. That's a lie. Sin, my, sir, sin is very fun. It's extremely fun. That's, isn't that not why we do it? But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So if I understand that I'm going to die because I wanted to sin, I'm, I'm going to kind of not sin no more. You're hearing me? Understand that in God's eyes, he needs you. He wants to touch your life, amen? He don't care if you haven't been to church in 10 years or 30 years. He don't care if you've been to church every week, but you're not serious with God. He's looking to get serious with you. Somebody tell the person next to you. Um, you got to understand this. He's still reclaiming lives. He's still changing people. It's not too little too late. Tell the person right next to you that napkin is still folded. And you can still get salvation. Come on, tell somebody. Jesus is calling you home in this morning, in this, in this afternoon now. You woke up this morning and it was almost every day as usual. But yet today, whether it was the day he, he rose up or not, we celebrate in this day that at some point he did rise up. At some point he did give his everything so you can have a little bit. You see, I believe that God is raising up young Christians. Look around you. The place is full of youthful people or those who are young at heart. You've got to understand something. That God is raising up a young church that can pick up the banner of Christ. Wave it high. Wave it proudly and say that we're going to change Bridgeport for the power of God. We're going to change Connecticut with the power of God. And we're going to change the state. We're going to change this nation. And that there is still young people who understand that God is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or imagine. And let me tell you, the napkin is still folded so you can come to Christ right now. So you can have life and have it more abundantly. Do you understand me today? Is anybody ready to keep the devil out your life? You got to go home and you need to pray over everything in your house and make sure it's of God. And if it's not, you need to get rid of it. Gentlemen, go through your cell phone and all those girls that are going to make you fall, delete them or save their number under, oh hell. 
So, so when they call you, you know, hell's calling me because if I keep on doing it, I'm going to hell. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Understand this. You have got to get serious about God. If it means something to you, it'll mean something to God. Come on, stand with me right now if I can get my musicians. All of them. Understand that in this moment of today, that you can possibly have life and to have it more abundantly. And that God is calling you heavenward. God is calling each and every one of us to be more sincere in our everyday life. And to get as serious with God as we are with the people around us. That you won't let the devil keep breaking up your relationships and your marriages and your friendships. That you won't let the devil keep messing with your life. That you won't let the devil keep messing with the people you love the most. Because why? Because we haven't kicked him out of our lives. Jesus left that napkin folded for a purpose and for a reason. And that was so that you can have an opportunity to ask him to take away everything that hurts you in your life. You see, when Diana was speaking earlier, I saw people all over the sanctuary crying because there was truth behind her words, and the truth actually hurts people. That there's some of you who need a touch from God. Some of you, this is probably your first church experience. This is probably your first experience ever experiencing maybe this kind of church or something, but God says that, that you know that what you feel in your heart right now, that's his Holy Spirit talking to you. That's his Holy Spirit working on you. That's his Holy Spirit saying, I'm calling for you and I need you right now. I need you to come right now. He's calling for your heart and he's saying, I, you, that, that, you feel that right now? That's the Holy Spirit talking at you. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this sanctuary out of reverence for God. With nobody looking around. I'm not going to waste your whole afternoon. I want to ask you one simple question. Is there anybody here who does not know Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to make that commitment today? Come on, raise your hand right now. Thank you. Raise your hand right now. Thank you. I got two. Come on. I got three. Thank you. I got four. Thank you. I got five. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. If you're raising your hand right now, come on. Meet me at the altar. Come on. Get bold in your spirit and say, Pastor, I'm coming. That napkin's folded for me. Come on. If you're raising your hand, come on to the front right now. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Come on, if you raise your hand, I saw you. Come on. Get my prayer team. Come on. If you're saying right now, Pastor, maybe I've been in church for some time and I've experienced church, but I've never really given God a chance in my life. But I want to give God a chance. Come on, if that's you, come on to the front. There's room at the cross. Come on, there's room at the cross. There's room at the cross for you. If I can get my worship team up here. Come on, there's room at the cross for you guys. Come on. You just start praying for them one by one. Just start laying hands on them. Come on. Bonnie girl, come on. Start praying for some of these people. Let's go. I, want, I don't want to be here all day, but if, that's, if you're still sitting in your seat, you say, man, pastor, I really want to go up there because I know God is calling me for a purpose and for a reason. Come on. Just meet me at the altar. Thank you. Because, Father, we came here tonight, God, or this morning, God. We came here, God to have you touch our lives God with one purpose God we wanted you to touch our lives God Father that you would one by one touch these hearts touch these minds Father God they would come to a knowledge of you Father come to a knowledge of your spirit Father God 
Church, somebody help me out. Tell them for all you've done. Oh, for all you've done, I give my life. Come on, just for you. For you, Lord. Oh, for all you've done. For all you've done, I give. Just for you. Oh, for all you've done, for all you've done, I give. Oh, I give my highlight. Come on, just for you. Oh, Kurama, my city. Come on, we came this morning to give our hearts and our lives to God so we can have an encounter with Him. Father, we need you this morning, God. Come on, if you're standing at this altar right now, just lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands right now. You're standing right here. Just lift your hands. And repeat this prayer after me. Come all across the sanctuary. Let's honor with the, the things they're doing. Let's all lift our hands with them right now and support. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. That napkin was for me. And here I am. Tell them, here I stand. And I need you now. I need an encounter right now. I need you in my heart to help me get my life on track. Because I can't do it without you. Tell them, I can't do this without you. Tell them really strongly, God, I need you. Come on, tell them right now. Never again do I want to be without you. Come on, put your hands together right now for yourself. Come on, put your hands together right now for yourself. Come on. Don't stop clapping. The angels in heaven are celebrating because you gave your life to God. They're celebrating right now. There's a party going on in heaven because somebody decided to come to the altar for a folded napkin. Come on. Come on. Keep on clapping. God's been waiting for y'all. Come on. He's been waiting for you. 2,000 years, and now you're here. Come on. He's been waiting forever. Understand this. Before you leave this altar, understand this. God's been waiting for you for over 2,000 years. Ain't nobody in my book worth waiting for 2,000 years for. That's just me. But God thought that you were worth waiting for. God thought that you, you could cry, it's all right. God thought that you, you were worth waiting for. God understood that there was a sacrifice and a, and a simple thing is this, folding a napkin and putting it right there. Oh, I'm just going to let Rich Navarrete know that 2,000 years later I'm still waiting for him. And our, today we call that an FYI. He left you a little FYI. Anthony, he was waiting for you that whole time. Some of y'all sitting in your seats wanted to come up here, but you're too proud, too worried about somebody would think about you. And he said, I'm still waiting for you. Tomorrow's never guaranteed. Today's a gift. And for that reason, we call it a gift. And he's still waiting for you. 
And guess what? God says that you are worth the wait. Why? Because he loves you. Do you believe that God loves you? You believe that, right? You are worth the wait. Tell the person next to you, you're worth the wait. Come on, tell them like you mean it, you're worth the wait. Come on, put your hands together right now. If you, if this, if this is your first time here and you made a decision for Christ, I would like you to see Lori. She has a little, we just want to, has a little.